there. Welcome to Extra Healthy-ish. This is the big sister podcast to the one called Healthy-ish. This podcast from Body and Soul aims to give you that little bit extra in your day for your mind, body and soul. But today we're talking about the food mood connection. Yes, how does the food you eat affect how you're feeling. I'm your host, Felicity Harley, by the way. Our guest today, you've heard from her before, but she is here again. Nutritionist and environmental scientist Sophie Scott from Endeavour College of Natural Health is going to unpack it all. Yes, she will tell us all about the food mood connection. Sophie, thanks again for joining us on Extra Healthy-ish. I know I've asked you this before, but I have to do it again. How are you staying extra healthy-ish today? Well, for me, I've got the physical activity and the food pretty much sorted after years of refining. So I've got a bit of a balance Years of there. practice. Yes, <laughs> that's it. And so now I'm working more on the mindfulness aspect. So inviting more calm and peace into my life. So I found the app Insight Timer really useful. So I just, you know, jump on there for like three minutes breathing or whatever. I'm a bit stressed out. So that's what I'm doing. And how are you going? Is it working? It's really good actually, because you get like, you know, if you do it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you get little awards. I mean, I like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <do> every day. <laughs> Just helps you along, doesn't it? We love a reward. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we're talking food and, well, food and mood today and how we can use food to ha- perhaps, in, well, boost our mood and how sometimes we use food to yeah, it's probably just all boost, isn't it? Whatever we eat, whether it's good or bad. But talk yeah. us through the food mood connection. How does food play a role or what role does food play in our moods? So food and moods, they have an inverse relationship. So that means what we eat affects our mood and our mood affects what we choose to eat. So how this happens is actually quite complex and it's an area of intense research. It includes inflammations, um, changes to stress hormones, the gut microbiome, and most of the research is actually around food and depression. So one aspect that researchers have found is that junk foods could, can actually shrink the hippocampus. Now, this is a part of the brain with a key role in mood regulation. So we don't want to shrink that part. We want that to be normal, bigger size. Yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the links here are are really strong. And actually, in a a world first, the new clinical guidelines for psychiatrists in Australia now include supporting a healthy diet as a foundation for treating mood disorders. So this is really interesting. It shows that maintaining a healthy diet equals better mood regulation. Actually, that's whole area. It's called nutritional psychiatry, and it's a really interesting area of research. And I feel like, as you say, it's only going to get bigger and we're going to learn more about this. I mean, often we use food as a self-medication. I think we have all done this. We've had a bad day. We come home, reach for the chocolate, pour a glass of wine, end up having three. How do we, how can we handle this better? And what can we do if we're feeling that out of controlness around, say, food and wine? <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely common, absolutely. So what happens is the emotions that are most likely to lead us to emotional eating are emotions like loneliness or purposeless or boredom or sadness, anxiety, stress, frustration, all these kinds of things often can lead people to eat emotionally. Why? Well, food is pleasurable and soothing. So if we're upset, eating works well to calm us down. 
And if something is pleasurable or provides relief, then we're going to do it again, which is called reward-based learning. But it will give us that short-term gain, but long-term, we know that this kind of behaviour can be harmful to our health. So how do we fix it is the question. So what we can do is do something called emotional surfing. So this means kind of like riding the waves like a surfer. So what happens is as if we have an emotion that we're feeling, maybe sadness, as the emotion intensifies, so too does the desire to eat. If we can ride over that peak intensity of emotion, then we're more likely to succeed in not using food as a solution to su suppress the emotion. So it's all about getting over that peak intensity. doesn't matter what um, emotion it is, stress, um, anxiety, whatever. If we can get over that and go on to the other side, then we're less likely. We still might use food, but we're less likely to. I mean, um, it, it, you're right. Yeah. It is about feeling the emotion, isn't it? I mean, often we don't want to go there with those tricky emotions. Oh, I don't want to feel that loneliness. And yeah. Yeah. Other than writing the emotion, what have you got any other ideas about what we could do? I mean, obviously ride the emotion, but that's all good and well when you're sitting on the couch feeling lonely with Netflix in front of you and thinking, hang on, all my girlfriends are out and I'm here and I haven't been invited or that is really hard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, sitting on the couch watching Netflix, that in itself is a nice is a nice activity to do, you know, instead of eating, perhaps if you want to be doing that and eating and drinking wine as well, that's, that's when um, we can look at some alternatives. So having the treat, so have the chocolate, maybe just make it one mint bowl instead of like the whole box of mint balls, maybe making it one wine. So still having the treat, but, you know, den denying yourself totally can also cause further pain. So it is about that nuanced balance, but also have a list ready of alternative activities. So we know exercise, mindfulness, just walking out of the house. But, you know, if you don't feel like that after a massive day, then just be on the couch. That's okay as well. You know, um, maybe having a bath, calling a friend, listening to music, all this kind of stuff. But then the key thing is just to really stop and observe what is going on here. So taking three deep breaths. Why am I doing this? Am I hungry? What emotion am I experiencing here? Let's just experience the emotion. So self-assessment and observation is the first step to curb emotional eating. And then what happens after is, you know, I've got lots, lots of ideas on and um, things that people can do to really help curb that emotional eating. What about, let's flip it a bit, and what about um, if we want to increase our mood? What are some good foods we can eat for a mood boost? Well, there's lots of different foods that you can do, that you can eat. So an anti-inflammatory diet that promotes gut health is the best kind of diet. So what are we talking here? Yogurt, kefir, all fruits and veggies, um, foods rich in omega-3 fatty acids, salmon, walnuts, whole grains, you know, all the great foods and particularly foods rich in vitamin C like capsicum, kiwi, oranges, because they've been shown to have positive effects on stress hormones. And also lovely chocolate. Chocolate is a joy stimulant. In, mod in, mod in, in moderation. moderation. <laughs> <laughs> Not the whole block. No. But um, research indicates it's got some prebiotic effects and prebiotics are the food for probiotics, which is the, the good bacteria in the gut. So it's all kind of linked to gut health. Um, there's also an antidepressant food index and the foods that top this list are things like oysters, salmon, spinach, lettuce, cauliflower, strawberries. So no surprises there, really. No. It's all, all the great Reach the walnuts foods. instead of the chocolate. What role does the gut play in all this food mood connection? 
Well, the gut has a really, really important role. So the gut is where we extract all the energy from our food and um, food is needed to make the brain function. So it's it's actually been called the second brain. So the gut has been called the second brain um, and there's hormonal nervous system influences on this. So the gut bacteria manufacture about 95% of the body's supply of serotonin, which is the feel-good hormone. So it's got a really important role. We need a good diverse range of good um, gut bacteria, so probiotics. But we also need prebiotics. So this is the food for probiotics. So that's like fruit, veggies, and grains. So the the way that the gut affects our mood is that the gut and the brain are linked. We We can't separate them. We'll be back after this short break with more from Sophie. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now, there is a lot of evidence around the Mediterranean-style diet. I mean, countless studies that say this is wonderful not only for health but also for lowering the risk of depression. Can you talk me through this and how we can eat more like this every day? Yeah, absolutely. So those that follow a diet close to the Mediterranean diet have a a 33% less risk of developing depression. So that's really big. So it's also been shown to be able to be used in cases for severe clinical depression, but you can't eat your way out of depression. So it's not to say that, you know, dietary advice is the only solution for depression. Of course, you need a whole treatment plan, but why the med med diet, we call it, um, is, is great for depression is because it's linked to gut health. So we know that the Mediterranean diet is full of whole grains and fruit. Um, it's, you know, including olive oil for cooking and dressing, keeping nuts on hand as snacks. So all the nuts have different properties. So I always suggest just have a, have a range, have some Brazils, walnuts, almonds, you know, don't worry too much that, you know, almonds might have more calcium or whatever. Walnuts might have more omega-3s. Just have a big mix and you'll be sweet. So what we know actually is that one in four Aussies this year are planning to try a new diet. So if that's the case, then oh, wow. make it the Mediterranean diet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that is really hands down the best, better than keto, better it than is. everything else. What it is. A, what yeah. about if, you know, we all know, well, we've all experienced food, eating certain foods and then having a mood swing or perhaps an up and like energy up, energy down. What are perhaps the worst types of foods that cause mood swings? So the worst types of foods would be things like junk foods and high GI foods. So GI is glycemic index, which is a measure of how quickly a food that we eat increases our blood sugar levels. So high GI foods are like white bread, lollies, cakes, cookies, all the kind of sometimes foods. So that will mean that your that your blood sugar increases quickly and then it will drop just as quickly. So what we do want instead is that a regular eating pattern that um, includes slow-release energy foods. So that might be porridge over cornflakes, for example, or, you know, fruit, grainy bread, that kind of thing. All those healthy, delicious foods. What, do you, what does your diet look like in a day? What are your must-eat foods to boost moods and what do you steer clear of? 
So absolutely start with an amazing breakfast. So right now I'm doing banana bread because I had some bananas that were kind of going very brown and I just didn't want to lose them or freeze them because I've got so many frozen bananas. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought I'll just make a banana bread. So I just make that super easy. And then I have that with yogurt and peanut butter for breakfast. And that'll just last the whole week essentially for two people. So that's definitely a must eat food. And what I steer clear of recently is takeaway delivery because I found it's always too rich. There's too much of it and it's a disappointment. And by the time it arrives, it's all soggy. And that time I could have made it like a a ham, tomato and cheese toasty, which would have done the job. So yeah, I'm avoiding that. Great tip. Do you go out and eat? What do you order when you go out and um, or where do you go? What's your kind of go-to if you want to be healthy and nutritious? Well, if I go out, I don't want to be healthy and nutritious because I do that at home. I like that. (laughs) So I want to eat the foods that I would never make at home and don't know how to. So that would kind of be like Indian foods, maybe or Thai foods, something different. (laughs) Oh, a great tip. Now, what about if we, uh, you know, if listeners are listening to this and think, well, hang on, I do get those mood swings throughout the day. I do have a dip. If I come home and and I am exhausted after work, I do reach for the wine. Talk talk us through starting an emotional food diary and talk us through what it is and how do we start it and whether it's useful or not. Yeah, sure. So an emotion food diary is similar to a food diary where you're writing down everything you eat, but it's a little bit different because we're talking about emotions. So to break the emotion food reward cycle, we have to firstly acknowledge it exists. So that the first step is, you know, don't make any changes first, just start to become aware of emotional triggers and times when you're led to eat emotionally. So recording this is probably one of the single most effective strategies for helping people understand what is actually going on. So essentially it's a similar format to a standard food diary, but what you would do is you would um, describe the situation. So it's just a table, situation, thoughts, how did I feel? What did I want to do? I reach for the wine or the chocolate and what did I end up doing? So it might be that you did go and have the wine and the chocolate, or it might be like, okay, I recognize this was happening. I went for a walk instead, whatever it might be. So that's the first step um, to, to filling out one of these diaries. And we include all these kinds of techniques and behavior change ideas in the Endeavor College short courses on food psychology. So lots of tips and templates in there. This must be a fascinating area for you to work in food psychology. Is there anything recently that you've come across that you think, wow, I never knew that or that is quite phenomenal the way we're just really digging into this research in the, in this area? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the research now is focusing on micro habits or tiny habits, oh, which interesting. I think is really interesting. So I think people think, oh my gosh, my, my diet's not good. I don't know where to start. Oh, I'm just going to go a restrictive diet and, you know, exercise six days a week. It's like, no, that's not the way to go because that, yes, you can sustain that for a short period of time, but it's those tiny habits that we just you know, add on, add on. It's like brushing your teeth. Everyone brushes their teeth, right? So that's just a habit. How many people floss their teeth? Well, that's, you know, maybe fewer than that. But this is an example of, you know, um, you stack habits on. So if you're brushing your teeth, then you just floss straight after. That's just a stacking a habit. So using a habit that you're doing all the time, all the time, and then just stacking a new one on. And that's exactly the same way that we should look at food habits and exercise habits as well. Oh, I like that. So we might have to get you back on to talk about that. Thank you so much for coming on Extra Healthy today and talking about food and mood. Thanks, Felicity. Thanks, Felicity. 
If you need support for emotional eating or any body image issues, you can call Butterflies National Helpline on 1800 3346 73 or log on to butterfly.org.au. They are there to support you. If you want more from us, remember Extra Healthy Ish, this podcast, we publish a new one every morning, Monday to Thursday. For more info, head to bodyandsoul.com.au or join the conversation via Body and Soul on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks again for tuning into this chat with Sophie and if you have a moment we'd be so grateful if you could rate review and subscribe to this podcast and until tomorrow stay extra healthy-ish. doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh God, is it the ginger winger? <laughs> <laughs> Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. <laughs> Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from.